Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today for, I think, the fourth time is Doyle Canning. Doyle, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here with you. Yeah, Doyle is a former candidate for Congress and a voice for the progressive movement in Eugene and, and Springfield, Lane County, Oregon. Uh, I It's an honor to become better friends with you. Uh, sorry for everybody that's watching uh, th- that uh, we're a few minutes late, but these things, this is an, a busy, 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 busy time. So. It's a busy time. My ballot just arrived today. We're going to go over what's on it and uh, make some recommendations. Yeah, we're going to... This is a real treat. This is the second time that you've came on to give your endorsements. You ran twice for the seat. It's an uphill battle. Last time you ran against Peter DeFazio in the primary. So you've got some some uh, guts, I've, I think we should we will just say. And so, uh, you know, this time... it. It's difficult because I am a very progressive thinker, just like yourself. I want universal health care. I want a lot of these things that are more popular than the powers that be would like to admit. <laughs> and so it's frustrating sometimes where we have to kind of settle for a watered down version of those things. But here we are. <laughs> so, here we are. Yeah. Election day is almost upon us and the choices are the choices on the ballot. So that's it. And let's discuss. Yeah. And we've learned, you know, I, I have learned big time that it's best. You cannot have protest votes are for the primaries. You have to vote for the better or, you know, closer to the direction of the things that you want. And we'll talk about that more as we go along. We're going to go over what's happening in Eugene and Springfield, respectively. We're going to go over every ballot measure that's going to be on your ballot, which is going to be great. If you haven't received your ballot, you should in the next couple of days. You can see that Doyle has like hers this. right here. Uh, and don't, you know, take the whole... We wanted to do this early. The election is November 8th for two reasons we had to do it early. For one, on that night, I'm going to be flying to Washington, D.C., uh, but also, you don't want to wait till the very end to vote. I think that you're inundated with... I wish that I could say the second that you turn your ballot in that the commercials would stop, but that would... The texts and phone calls will stop. Right. So yes. that would be a lie. So yes. let's start off with your seat, the seat that you ran for. Like I had mentioned before, that's currently held by Peter DeFazio for 37, 38 years. He is retiring. And so the two candidates are Val Hoyle and Alex Garlados. Uh, Val Hoyle, the Democrat, Alex Carlotto's the Republican. You have campaigned against both candidates because that's how primaries work. Tell me, tell us why you decided to endorse Val Hoyle. So this election um, for Congress is a really uh, clear choice, I think, um, for me. And that is to support Val and support our Democratic Party and support 
winning a maintaining our democratic majority in the Congress. I think you said there are two candidates on the ballot. That's somewhat incorrect. There is a third party candidate on the ballot who is running on the line of the Pacific Green Party. It's important that to point out <clears throat> point that out because last week my husband Justin he came into my office and was like showed me his phone and was like, "Look, babe, I got a poll." And I was like, "Good, that's great. Show it. Let's see it." Um and um the poll was clearly paid for by the Republican campaign, by the Scarlatos campaign or by the Republican National Committee. Uh, and it was pushing um, a very progressive platform, universal health care, Green New Deal, uh, climate change is an emergency, um, and uh, cannabis decriminalization, you know, all the things that our campaign was really raising and running on right. uh, back in the spring. Um, and it was pushing, it targeted my husband. You couldn't find a stronger canning supporter than Justin. Sure. Um, and so, um, you know, the Republicans know that they can't win fair and square on a MAGA platform. Right. They just don't have the numbers or the support here in Oregon for the kind of far right abortion bans and attacks on transgender communities and like all the things that Trump's Republican Party stands for, including political violence and the attack on our country on January 6th. Right. And um, so they are trying to sow um, discontent and uh, basically hijack, you know, the progressives in the district who are a, are, are a sizable segment uh, to vote green. And we're not having it. You know, our movement is not going to be used by Kevin McCarthy and the insurrectionist Republican uh, MAGA movement to elect uh, Alex Garlato's, right. the, I mean, uh, the like, avowed choker uh, to Congress. It's like the Russian <laughs> meme scheme. You know, I mean, essentially, it's like. And the last, in the 11th hour, you know, and, and Jim Comey, and we could go, we could, we don't want to rehash that because we're moving on for the future, not talking about 2020, right? Uh, yeah. So Val Hoyle though, I mean, what is it specifically? I mean, you, you just said, but like, you know, you're backing her fully and you have faith. I know you have faith in her that it's not just because Carlos is bad. We'll get to that in a second. You know, the things that I, I mean, you know, Val Hoyle's pro worker, pro union, uh, one of my good friends, Anthony Reed, he's in the commercial for her, and he means every word that he said. I know a lot of the commercials are nonsense, you know, from different candidates on both sides. But that was a genuine one where he's like, dude, she's the labor commissioner. I've worked with her. She has seriously came talk to us. She understands the struggles and the plight of the worker. And so, I mean, that's a huge deal, and that he actually believes that. You know, Alex Carlados has been documented talking about, like you had mentioned, kind of briefly choking and killing women during sex and has shown overall disregard for the humanity of women. I'm a man and I appreciate humor, even dark humor, but I witnessed my own mother being raped and I can tell you that there's absolutely no way that that is acceptable to be a joke or to everybody be taken lightly. You know, you know, and he claims he's different, but that was 2018 that those comments were made. That's not the only reason. I mean, I just think that we need people with experience, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and also, for people, I know Peter DeFazio is pretty dang popular, and he glowingly supported Val Hoyle in the primary, which I'm sure you were pretty stoked about. <laughs> you know, you know, no, you know, like I mean, it's tough. 
And I think that it's really important that you did run and, and that what you did is, is valuable, you know? But yeah, I mean, before we move on, I want to give you one last chance on this race. I think you've pretty much covered it, but. Yeah, it's really important to, to show up and support Val Hoyle for Congress. Absolutely. And to vote Democrat in this important election. What are some of the policies with Alex Carlados beyond, you know, character? What are some of the policies that you're the most concerned with? Well, I think listeners and voters should know that Scarlatos is endorsed by um, Right to Life. They are spending money sending voters mail um, on his behalf. He's distanced himself. He's tried to temporarily from the you know more radical uh, MAGA ban all abortion sort of position. But th that that is has been his position. It was his position in 2020. And he is backed by the groups that are explicitly focused on that as their political goal. So it's really important to know that, um, you know, he's also running ads on television with, uh, you know, himself and former President Obama. I, I couldn't believe that. <clears throat> and, you know, he's door knocking Democrats. He's trying yeah. to um, paint himself as some kind of come together moderate. Right. Um, and this just isn't the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's not who he was when he ran his campaign two years ago. So again, he's sort of reinventing, yeah. um, you know, every, every, every year, it seems like. And this isn't Dancing with the Stars. This is the United States Congress we're talking about. And your vote is your power to right. send a message to the party of Donald Trump and the MAGA movement to GTFO. Right. And, you know, that whole, just for further context, the thing about Obama, it's like he received praise from Obama. It was about the incident that happened on the train that his, his whole, whole backstory is that he stopped a supposed terrorist attack, which every one of us would agree is awesome. Like we, that's amazing. And you should be commended for that as he was by the president, but it has nothing to do with policy, strategy, anything that he's going to do in office. He was praised for one moment, you know, you know, and so that I, it just is telling when he's running on that in this area, because he knows that Obama would be really popular. And, uh, you know, it's comical. It's mm -hmm. comical to say the least. Yeah. Again, they know that if they just tell the truth about what their political agenda is, they cannot win. Right. And so if if your strategy is to um, confuse progressives and to mislead Democrats and to sort of distance yourself from your own base, like you can't that that that's not a winning plan. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't I feel very confident that um, Val Hoyle will be our next congresswoman. I think but so I want to make sure that you turn this yeah in. you gotta do it you gotta <laughs> you do gotta it. So, do the thing so that one it's not gonna do itself that one is it's is, on you <laughs> right. that one we'll, we'll remind you again that you have to vote uh no that is is your seat so that's why i wanted to start with it i do think val has a very good chance and is, a, is probably the favorite in that the governor's race is not as as simple we have three we have five candidates as, as like you had mentioned before mm. there's other parties too but the three we'll just say viable candidates are the are Tina Kotek, the Democrat, uh, Betsy Johnson, the Independent, and Christine Drazen, the Republican, who as of late in the polls is leading. 
And I think that that will be really difficult to say. I don't really trust polls as much nowadays. But that being said, Betsy Johnson is going to be a spoiler. Uh, I don't think that she has enough of an umbrella to win the election, but I do think that she can take from both sides. So it's going to be interesting on election night what actually happens. Uh, I mean, I've received a lot of flack for simply saying that Betsy Johnson was going to be viable as a candidate. Uh, polls are suggesting, like I mentioned, that Drazen's leading the race. There's a issues, though, that I, I just think we need to address, like climate change. If you're, if you're worried about climate change, the only answer is Tina Kotek. If you, you're dealing with the homelessness, comes down to how you want it to be addressed. If you ha- want it to be with compassion, then it's going to be Tina Kotek. If you want it to be more policing, the, the homeless, then you can support Christine Drazen because that's, the, that's the, you know, the candidate for you. That's her strategy. And, and it'll come along with an abortion ban and defunding right. the Department of Education and the Oregon Health Authority. I mean, yeah, there's, a, again, like <clears throat> a strong MAGA kind of platform that has been um, put forward by the Oregon Republicans. And if they were upfront about it, they wouldn't stand a chance. So we've got a two against one strategy with uh, Betsy Johnson and Christine Drazen, if you watch the debates, you know, they're both sort of coming after Tina. She's the front runner. And um, so she's got two candidates trying to tear her down. Um, And I think she's doing a hell of a job. She is running an amazing campaign. And President Biden came to um, came to see us in Oregon last weekend. That was huge. And, you know, he sat down and phone banked with members of the the SEIU uh, for Tina. And it just it warmed my heart because that is the work that it takes to not just win elections, but really win the trust and support uh, of of Oregonians and she's putting in that work and I'm really proud to support Tina Kotek for governor. I, you know, I was, it was a little harder for me to come to, I was interested in, in, in learning more about Betsy than, than what my, what people that I respect told me is that climate change is, is, is not something, you know, cause she's kind of in bed with timber companies and they're only about profits. It's not, I'm not against timber by any means, but we have to, we have to revolutionize the way that we look at things and with Betsy Johnson, that's probably not going to happen. And then also, I, for a long time, my number one issue has been universal health care. Healthcare for all is what it's, it's being called. And I think that the only possible way we get in that direction is through Tina Kotek. The, the uh, task force that was created, things like that will be eliminated day one by Christine Drazen. And that it's something that as you know an independent contractor barber i don't have health insurance so i you know that's that's something that's super passionate i'm super passionate about because it's just so much easier and yes taxes may go up but costs will go down it's and i've talked about it until i was blue in the face about this i read or whatever color i turned but like i just it, it's something that i'm super passionate about and i think the only answer is tina kotek She's the only one that offered plans about anything, especially homelessness, you know, that I was impressed. I've only watched one of the four debates and I encourage anybody watching, don't just listen to us. You have a little bit of time, not a ton, vote when you get your ballot, but go and watch the debates. They're on YouTube, you know, Oregon governor's race. It's, you, you can really see a lot from it. And it's just, I think it's pretty safe to say that Tina Kotek is the only choice. 
So Tina's coming to see us here in Eugene, and I've got some really exciting, yeah, some big special news on the Spent the Rent podcast news breaking on the Spent the Rent podcast. Um, and that exciting special news is that Tina's coming to see us in Eugene. Um, Val's going to be there too. I'm going to be up there on the stage with them and special guest Senator from Vermont, from Vermont, Bernard Sanders. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. totally huge. So Thursday, October 27th, next Thursday, just a few days, they're putting together the the details and the plans now probably going to be on campus at the uo nice um we don't know what the bird's going to be doing the bird yeah i don't know if we'll get a bird this time yeah i was there Um, i was there in portland (laughs) when bernie came and it was it was electrifying but at the same time it was i just knew that it was too good to be true that those policies would be implemented and that's for a later date but the fact that he's supporting her tells me two things it tells me that he's supporting her and that we take him for his word that he's like, we need, she's a great candidate. We need to support her. But also that the, the national politics is worried about this race, you know? Well, you know, I think, yes, Bernie made a commitment to do like five or seven state tour in these mm-hmm. final days of the midterm election to energize progressives, yeah. young voters, working class voters and that's who needs to come out and turn out to win this election for democrats here in the fourth district for congress for val and also in the governor's race and you know we need to come together and we need to get behind val Hoyle and tina kotek and we need to win these elections and bernie knows that and um you know he's coming uh, to visit us it's a very special occasion it's really an honor to have the senator um, come here to Eugene and uh, and get out the vote for Val Hoyle. So also, I, I think I should say that if you follow Doyle Canning on Twitter, I'm sure that she'll be giving updates about where to find, you know, where Bernie's... As soon as I know more, as, exactly. I will as let as, you know. That, you know, that's the extent of the Bernie breaking news on Spent the Rent. Uh, I do want to say, you, you were in a... Uh, there was a get together with Adam Schiff recently from California and a couple other pretty high profile people. Yes, Senator Wyden was there. Right. What was um, that like? Congressman DeFazio as well. Um, yeah, you know, it was about bringing uh, Lane County Democrats together to support Val Hoyle for Congress and really, you know, fight back against the Republican attacks that are coming at Val and at our party and at our values. And their main line of attack is that, um, you know, she's a tax and spend liberal. I, I, that's not original. Sure. Um, it's not particularly right. creative. Um, but, you know, they're, they're running their campaign and they're running hard and we've got to run harder. Yeah. And that's why I'm out here campaigning for Val. I didn't, I realized that I didn't add this. So I wanted to say when you said Lane County Democrats, the, I just remembered the chili cook-off and all the fun little events. There's some really incredible people in Lane County that are doing some awesome things. I don't agree with everyone in the in the big umbrella, but I've been accept, accepted and welcomed in. And that's something that I'm really stoked about because I'm rough around the edges. And I think people are still kind of cautious about working with me, which is probably smart. But like in, in general, I've been really accepted and I love that. And I want to give a shout out to Michelle Emmons, who's running uh, for House District. I can't remember the di- It's in Oak Ridge area. Mm-hmm. She was on the show. And, and so nice. Michelle Emmons has been hitting the campaign trail as hard as you can. 
and during a time when her home was at threat for fire, you know, so shout out to her. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to my interview with Michelle Emmons, because she has a very Oregon approach. And I say Oregon because she's talking about rural voices matter is her mm-hmm. slogan. And she's not just thinking about Portland. She's thinking about her district. And I think that that's so important. Sometimes people get these grandiose ideas and she's focusing on what she's going to do for the people that matter to her. So I wanted to just, before I forgot, because I, I, we have so much to talk about. So shout out to Michelle Emmons. Uh, so we're going to move on and we're going to talk about two areas. First, Eugene and Springfield, respectively, their specific uh, bonds and measures in Eugene, there are two bonds to help fund parks and roads individually. So they're separate bonds. These are both vital yes votes, in my opinion. And I felt like uh, you can speak for Eugene and I'll speak for Springfield. So can you speak on these two bonds and why they're so important? Well, the parks bond, you may have seen the lawn signs around. They say yes for parks, nature, water, or something like that. Um, and, you know, commissioner, my county commissioner, Lori Trigger, actually reached out to me and said, hey, can you know, can you help? with this? Can you support this? And so we had a good good discussion about why this bond measure is so needed right now. And basically, during the pandemic, so many of us, I mean, I know for my family, like, used the Lane County parks way more yeah. than we did before. Um, and we've kind of loved our parks to death, is what Lori said, sure. you know, and, and we need... Um, we need investments in, you know, clean restrooms, in um, ADA accessibility, parking spaces, you know, and some basics. And um, in part because of the the low taxes that the, those timber barons you were mentioning right. pay, yeah. um, you know, we need to we need to have this bond and support our parks. And so I, I'm excited about it. Uh, it's a big investment that will create jobs working in our parks. And uh, I think that's a good thing. And there's a lot of amazing events like the chili cook off mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. I That's at Alton Baker Park. Alton Baker Park. Uh, has has ever, always ever seems like every weekend during the summer has just amazing events put on by mostly Democrats. Yeah, that are trying so to is, build community. You yeah, know? this so, is county parks. So oh, we're talking about parks. Mount Pisgah. Oh, okay. We're talking about um, Clearwater. Sure. Um, uh, Fern Ridge. You nice. know, some of the bigger parks where I like to go for for longer walks off leash. With sure. The dog. Sure. Um, and where the kids like to play in the river, and you know. These are really beloved places and they deserve our support. Right. And then roads. Last week, I talked to Randy Groves, city councilor Randy Groves, and he was adamant about how important this is. And it's not, I think the road bond is a continuation. It's like, it's like how, I think this is not a new thing. It's, it's continuing. So every five years or so, you have to re-vote on it. And is that correct? I, I believe so. I, that's my understanding. Okay. Yeah. And so we talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to that one too. So those on both the bonds in, in, or in Eugene, it's yes votes on those. Uh, in Springfield, we have a jail levy. This is difficult for me. It's measure 20-237. This is a renewal of a five-year bond, a levy, like I just mentioned. That will continue to cost the cost taxpayers $1.40 per $1,000 of home value on their property taxes. This one's tough for me. I spoke with Mayor Sean Van Gordon, and he assured me that the money would not be used to pay for excessive force lawsuits, because that's an issue in Springfield, unfortunately. It is to maintain the 98 jail beds, cover costs of 40 positions in the police department, provide mental health services to inmates. Like if it doesn't pass, they're just not going to provide that. That's questionable, but that's in the writing. 
uh, and maintain response times for both emergency and non-emergency 911 calls. I am strongly undecided on this. And if it's a yes vote, it's going to be a difficult one for me to support because, and you can listen to my interview with Sean Van Gordon about why, but I just, you know, he asked me if I wanted to talk about it and I straight up told him, I was like, look, I'm not defund the police, but I'm not necessarily fund the police either. And there's a lot of issues with the Springfield police department. Now, that being said, I am a fan so far of chief Shearer. I think that we got a, a good one. I've got no reason to think otherwise so far. And I've been impressed with some of the language being used by Chief Shearer, some of the, I mean, bias charges. They've been charging people with bias, which is basically racism, you know, and that's a, that's a step in a direction that we have not seen in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So I'm g- probably going to vote yes, because in, U- in Springfield and Eugene, we have different philosophies, period. I live, you know, not just me, I'm saying we as a town, that I'm probably oftentimes the, the minority on my thought. On, on the way I view things. And I'm okay with that because I'm not the only person that has to live here, <laughs> you know? And so it's a little bit more pro police, but that's not the, an- the only answer. We, they, they deal with homelessness a little bit different and all that. So I don't know. Uh, I'm probably going to vote yes on it, but it's, it's not an easy decision for me. So everyone can make their own on that one. Uh, moving forward, what we'll do is we'll alternate between an office seat and a ballot measure so that we can keep it all from getting jumbled together. Uh, in my opinion, the most important seat in this election is the Lane County Commissioner position one. This is a seat that needed a runoff as neither candidate hit the 50% threshold in the primary in May. It is Don Leslie versus Ryan Seneca. This has the potential to change the direction of the county in basically every way. If Seneca wins, the Republicans will have a majority, and that could be catastrophic for health and human services, among pretty much everything else. The strategy to tackle the homeless epidemic is literally night and day. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Don Leslie and why she must win this seat. So Don Leslie is an environmental engineer. Uh, she's a mom. Her son just went off to college, so we've been talking about that. My son is much younger. Um, and she's a really strong, smart uh, committed candidate for this office. She's going to make a great county commissioner. And uh, like you said, you know, the contrast and the stakes in this election are are pretty clear. Yeah. Um, and because of what happened here in Springfield with um, incumbent Joe Bernie yeah. like- not meeting that 50% threshold, this race between Leslie and the successor to the uh, Jay Bozovich, um, Seneca, is is really high stakes and would swing the majority to Republicans on the Lane County Commission. We cannot let that happen. No. We cannot let that happen. No, and it's been in conservative control before for a long time, right? And, and this is something I've learned. Now, that being said, this is a different brand of Republican. This is not my dad's Republican Party. You bet. You know, and so... I mean, like when I was talking about Springfield, there's things about Springfield that's a little more conservative. People always say that. It's true. And the way there's, I'm going to get ats for this. Thurston is, I wouldn't want that to represent all of Springfield. You know what I mean? Like the the, the, the angriest, there's great people in Thurston. Do not get me wrong. And there's Democrats in Thurston too. But there's people that all they want to do is push you off the the road with their big ass truck. I'm not saying, I don't know a ton about Ryan Seneca. I do know a couple people that are, in his corner that are, you know, I've crossed paths with that. I had civil conversations. And what I learned from that is they're 
they're really getting more involved. And so it's, it's not going away, but I think that supporting Don Leslie is going to send a message, you know, that it's like, this is not going to happen here where it's going to be strong armed into this bully kind of tactic. Uh, and so I just, I think it's really important. I, one of the regrets that I have about this election cycle is that I didn't get Don Leslie on the podcast. I've been so hyper-focused on Springfield in these last couple of years because I need to learn about this process more and more as it goes along. And I have learned a tremendous amount, as I hope you can tell, you know, by listening to this, because I've learned a ton. I've worked hard on this, but I did not have her on, but I did. I have met her briefly uh, at the chili cook-off. <laughs> no, no, but, uh, and she's warm. She's really cool, you know? And so, I, you know, and I know the people that I admire are supporting her wholeheartedly so she has my support i won't be voting because i live in springfield for her but yeah so the this race is the um the lane county seat for the county commission that sort of wraps around um west of eugene and so it's like river road which encompasses where the recall was and so there's this absolute conservative push you know, in that area. And so I, I, it's going to be a tough run for her. Yeah. So it's river road, it's Santa Clara, it's junction city. Um, it's out, you know, we have a, a timber property out near crow. It's like that area. And then all the way out to the coast, you know, Florence being the biggest town, but like Deadwood and, you know, in the coast range as well. Um, and Don ran for this seat like three cycles ago and came within like two digits. Yeah. Um, Like I think it was like 50 votes or something. You know, she's shown that she has what it takes to win this election. Sure. And, you know, if she had had just a little bit more money, a little bit more door knocking, a little bit more support, she, she would be our County commissioner now. Um, So we can't let that happen. Right. in 2022 like this time we're not going to make that mistake we're right. going to go all out for dawn and we're going to make we're going to make sure that we win so that's a big one that will literally change the whole direction of our county and my partner works for the county and so i get a little bit of insight on that and she, she doesn't like me to talk about her politics and stuff but i'll just tell you she's like it's going to change things dramatically and like you had said joe bernie was ousted uh by 29 votes or something like that uh, by D- David Lovell, a man who uh, was seen k- holding an AR, you know, in front of his business downtown when there's no threat of violence whatsoever, whatsoever from the, the Black Lives Matter protest. None. I, I mean, and so don't let people lie to you about that. I watched the entire stream. I know people that were there. There was never violence except for from the police and from the, the Proud Boys or whatever, the counter protesters it was it was appalling and i've you know i talked to sean van gordon about that last week and still a lot of no con- i love sean a lot you know but there's a lot of things they, they can't talk about because it's still under litigation and things like that so we're gonna move on uh ballot measure 111 i did an episode about this it's a a, a yes vote supports amending this uh the constitution to require the state to provide affordable health care as a human right to me this is a no-brainer it is not voting to push through universal health care, unfortunately. It is, sadly. I, I, sadly. <laughs> it is language 
to get us going in that direction. And so this is the step. And so this is basically telling the legislators that you support the idea. And I like that they're doing this. I like that they're doing the step so that they can be like, we want to see from our voters. It's pretty rare. People always say, they're like, you know, um, why didn't they let us decide? Well, here's your chance, you know, to say that we want universal healthcare, healthcare for all. And so it's, you know, it's not government medicine. It's going to be how it's funded. You'll still have private doctors and all that stuff. And we'll, I've talked about it a bunch, but this is just an absolute no brainer. So I won't take a lot of time on it. Yes. On ballot measure 111 to support, uh, an amendment to the constitution to provide affordable healthcare as a human right. Yeah. And I just want to say this one for me is really personal, really important. This is another step on the road towards Medicare for all. 100%. And we have to keep moving down that road. Yeah. And, you know, it was around t- 2011, 12, that Vermont uh, passed the first and kind of only single payer Medicare for all style system in the US. And there was a group of of us from that campaign in Vermont, who came out here to Oregon, and did a tour talking about what we did and how to do it. And you know, the path from there to here is very clear to me, this has been over a decade of work to get to this point where we have on the ballot, uh, an amendment to the Oregon Constitution to say healthcare is a human right. That is groundbreaking. It is really Huge. awesome. Yeah. And so 111 is a yes vote. Uh, so the next Senate or the next uh, race, we're going to talk about state Senate seat in District 7. And the reason I chose to put it here is because it's James Manning, Manning versus uh, Raquel Ivey. I chose to put it here because James Manning is a champion for healthcare for all. He has worked tirely pushing us in that direction. Absolutely. And so uh, I was at the event, the uh, Black Cultural Celebration at the Alton, at, at the Alton Baker Park. <laughs> and uh, Tina Kotek and James Manning were, were walking around together. And they were literally spending a ton of time at that booth, which is where I set up that episode where I met Lou who I had on just to represent. He's one of the representatives mm-hmm, of the, mm-hmm. the many people working on this. But I would imagine, I don't know a ton about James Manning. So my only question that I wrote for you is, do you have a James Manning story that you would like to tell? Do I have a James or Manning story? Or just paint the picture of the character. I mean, he's an incredible human being. Now, I don't think that this is a question that he's going to win. I think that he has been doing so much work. And in known, I hate to knock it, but like in Ra- Raquel Ivy, I, I found this really cool voter guide online and her description was that she was running for office. So that's pretty quality. But anyway, anyway, uh, I don't think it's a serious challenge. I don't, um, yeah. but I think it's really important to always get out and support yeah. Senator Manning and, you know, to uplift him as an incredible leader for right. Lane County and for, for Oregon, really, um, on Medicare for All and, and healthcare for all. And he's been a strong voice on accountability and policing as well. And, Which is huge. Um, yeah, we need that. Yeah. So James Manning in uh, State Senate for District 7. So the next one is Ballot Measure 112. And this, a yes vote, removes slavery from the language of the Oregon Constitution. This seems like an absolute no-brainer. Uh, Oregon was a white-only state when it was founded, and so, uh, which is disgusting and appalling, but that's old history. We're moving forward. And some of that, we have to remove the way that stuff was written, the language. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with prison. 
you know, the way that the 13th Amendment was written. And so mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that it changes anything as far as how prisons are ran or whatnot. It's just language because there is rights of a prisoner that kind of borderline falling under the term slavery, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, I, you know, I think that you, there's a lot of information for you if you want to look up ballot measure 112, but I don't think that there's really a question. It's a yes vote to remove slavery from the language of the Oregon constitution, that that's an accepted thing. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a comment on, I read know, a story who we are and have been as a state. Right. Uh, and it's an about time kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read a story one time, and that just this quick little side note. This is quite a few years ago, maybe 10, 12. And it was about a woman who was, uh, uh, she was an immigrant business owner, which is great, you know, but she didn't completely understand workers' rights. And so she had, uh, this was like in New York, and she had someone working for her, and they would they were kind of not the smartest person, right? So they broke a bunch of stuff, and she was like, look, you can pay me back out of your paycheck. And then... It kept happening and she's like, you're owing me like your whole paycheck. And so he's like, well, I can't pay my bills. And then she's like, well, I have a, a rental that you can have and I'll just take it out of your paycheck. It got to a point where he was getting no payment. Mm. You know, he was just getting room and board. That's slavery. Mm. Like that, she was literally charged with slavery. So <laughs> these kind of things, like this bill, I don't know specifically if this would have, how that, but I'm just saying like, if you don't make it, a thing like you actually have to remove things like that so that that kind of stuff can't happen you know you know so i thought that was a really interesting story and it wasn't i don't want to be like she's horrible you know what i'm saying but there's this that's why there's actually laws and that's why there's workers rights because those kind of things happen where someone's like i didn't realize i slipped into this and the next thing you know you are literally an indentured servant so we can't have that so yeah uh labor secretary runoff i believe this was val hoyle's seat is that correct that's so, right. Yeah. So um, Christina Stevenson is a civil rights attorney who defends workers and, who have been unjustly treated. In May, she received 40% of the vote. She's running against uh, Sherry or Cherry. I think it's Sherry. Sherry Holt, who's a Republican who owns a restaurant business with her husband in Bend. She received 19% of the vote. That's really, I didn't find a ton about this, um, but it sounds like Christina Stevenson is, is the strong favorite to win but and probably who i would vote for in that seat she has the backing of val hoyle sure she has the backing of the labor movement and you know she's really the one in this race who uh is going to stand up for workers and workers rights she's also a uo law alum so nice. we like to see nice. that uh three oh um so yeah really really happy to support christina for labor commissioner and encourage you to do that as well so ballot measure 113, uh, a yes vote creates consequences for absent lawmakers. Uh, I, I didn't put a ton of notes, but if anybody's been following Oregon local state politics in Salem, there was a lot of cr uh, little babies that wanted to walk away when it was time to actually do their jobs. Uh, Tina Kotek has been talking about Led this. Led by none other than Christine, than Christine Drazen. Drazen. Tina Kotek has been talking about this a lot in her campaign that, um, you know, during the time when they were actually trying to tackle homelessness that Christine Drazen literally just walked off the job. And you bet. Yeah. It's, it's something that's been done by both sides on the national level. I remember public one would be like John Lewis was sitting in. And so it is done sometimes politically that, that I've respected, but this is not an example of that. I mean, the Republicans 
put they just refuse to be there to vote. So the beauty of this bill, of this measure, 113, is that if you want your representatives to do their job, which I think across the board we do. So it's almost an agreement that we're not going to play politics anymore. We're going to do our job. So what it does is it makes it so that if they miss a certain amount of days, they are disqualified from running again. And I think that that's amazing because to be absent on these monumental votes, I want accountability for a no vote as much as I want accountability for a yes vote. So if somebody's not going to show up to vote, no, they're not showing you their hand. So, you know, it's like, say there's a, uh, what's an unpopular thing right now? Oh, women's right to choose, for example. If someone's like, well, we know that it's going to pass, so we're not going to vote because then I, I won't have them campaign against that. I want accountability. I want their voting record to be public. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so that is something that it's a yes vote. So far, they're all yes votes, all of the ballot measures. So that's pretty easy for you to, to know. So uh, state Senate seat district four pretty safe seat. It's Floyd Przanski. He's Democrat and chair of the Judiciary Committee. He's running against Libertarian Eric Pinnell. I think I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if I'm not. I do have to say for full disclosure, I uh, buy my vape juice at uh, Eric Pinnell's store. He's a vape store owner. uh, And there's a worker that works with him. His name is Joel Fish. Joel and and Eric Pinnell is a, a Libertarian. Joel and I have had amazing conversations and i want to give a shout out to joel because is joel a bud tender no he's a, he's a, works at the vape store and we completely disagree and i he may watch this and I, I hope he does because i think he's an awesome dude and he's a libertarian and this is a springfield story for you in a sense because he and i have had really good conversations i've pushed back he's pushed back we disagree we disagree on strategy we actually disagree on how it actually works in a lot of ways that being said we can be friends you know and and i've supported his business even though the the things that he stands for i don't agree with he's a big 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 gun guy i'm not you know that being said i think he's great all i expect from human beings is to be treated with civility and come at me in good faith if we can have a good dialogue i'm down to talk if you're going to come at me with aggression and, and whatnot, then it's the conversation is over, you know? So that vape shop, I think that they're awesome people. I, I really do. That being said, the experience here, Floyd Przanski has proven that he's, he's a great leader. He's been in office. He's been beloved. I don't think that that's a question that he's going to win. Republicans didn't run anyone. Or I don't know. I mean, there, there's only two candidates that were listed on the voter guide. Hmm. And that's the Libertarian and Floyd Przanski. So I think that's a pretty safe seat. Uh, the next one, I, I, it's actually another state Senate seat, is District 7. This is John Lively versus Alan Stout. I met Alan at the fairgrounds. He was respectful, and he even told me, and I don't know if it was off the record, and I don't honestly care because I'm not a journalist, but he said, I don't like all this Trump stuff. And I'm like, why are you standing here then? So you're obviously, he said, because there's Trump flags all over the place. Thomas Huda and I went and sat, and we sat at the Republican t- tent for like an hour talking to Alan Stout. And he was cool, but... He wouldn't answer any questions, wouldn't talk about things that, you know, it's like, what about healthcare? Like, I'm not negotiating on that. That's something that I feel like he's like, well, just wasn't willing to and, and wasn't going to get my support. John Lively is a staple in Springfield in, the, in this area. And I mean, there's he's done a ton. So I don't think that that's a question that that's a pretty safe seat for John Lively. But Alan Stout, there's been a lot of money funneled into that campaign. And I don't think he's a terrible guy, but I disagree with him on it just basically about everything with with strategy. So I don't think that's a really a hard one for me to decide. Vote Uh, Democrat. 
yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah. It, it is neat though. And I encourage you at the fair is a great place to be civil, uh, but to go up to the opposition party and talk to them, you know, or, or, and not to pester them, but to learn and see where you might have similarities and differences. I do think Alan Stout's a good human being from, I have no reason to think otherwise. And I do like the fact that he was kind of like, I don't really, I, I just, I'm not going to take that as a, as a, as a reality. When someone says, look, I don't really support. I'm like, Donald Trump is the Republican party. And if you don't want to yes. admit that, then you're lying to yourself and you're lying to me, boldface. So that to me, even though he was kind, he was not coming at me in good faith because that is a fact that Donald Trump is the Demo- is the Republican Party, and that's all it is. That is the only platform is to keep man baby happy, and that's it. That's the only that's the only policy: keep man baby happy, and then we will get all the things we want, which is basically treating women like dirt. Also, cutting taxes for billionaires. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's there's no more. That's no more. There's yeah. no more. It's not complicated. That's literally it. Keep man baby happy, shit on women, and lower taxes. That's literally the for only- billionaires. That's it. Just only. for billionaires. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, ballot measure 114, uh, this one is massive. I wish I would have put this earlier in the show, uh, because I hope people are still hanging out, but they'll get to it. Ballot measure 114, a yes vote strengthens rules relating to firearms. Now this is heavy. So it requires background checks, closes gun show loopholes, requires fingerprinting and safety training for gun purchases and limits the sale and possession of high capacity magazines. I believe that it's 10. If there's any more than 10 bullets in a pa- in a magazine that will be outlawed the possession the own to own like not just so people will have to be getting rid of stuff this is huge i don't think it'll pass i don't think it will i'm gonna i personally am not a gun person i've never fired a gun that being said uh second amendment is something that this is you can debate on that yourselves because i have friends that i admire that have strong conviction on this i do think you know I live close to Thurston. I live almost in Thurston. I was in a sophomore at Springfield High School when the Thurston shooting happened. Nothing has happened since then. Nothing has changed. Nothing. This is the first chance. If you want to make a statement about that cannot happen again in our town, then you would vote yes on this ballot measure. And it's that simple to me because if you want to raise, I didn't put this, it raises the age to 21. Mm -hmm. So he, I think what it does is it changes the culture a little bit. And everybody that talks about, I'm so pro second amendment. When you push back on that as a Democrat, you say, Hey, you're talking to someone in good faith. And you say, you know, uh, do you, are you okay with some sensible regulation? This is what it is. And so this is the chance to actually do that. A lot of times people say that, but they're not that they're not willing to actually support doing anything. And I think that, I mean, Kip Kinkle was given a gun at 13 years old. And so, you know, we're not here to, to litigate that whole thing that his parents made a mistake. But I think this changes the culture. When you make a definitive age, it's 21 that you can own certain guns. I think that changes things. I think that you would think that through a little bit more. And, and I just, I struck struggle with depression and I'm open about that and my kids, and I hope they, they don't hate me for this, but they have voiced their concerns with depression. We don't want guns in their hands because they're still trying to become men. And I'm trying to teach them to be composed with their fists, let alone a weapon, you know? So it's just n- not fighting. I'm saying composed to not fight, mm-hmm. you know, is what, I'm, is what I'm trying to say. So mm-hmm. this one's big. I mean, I don't think, I think, I know your thoughts on it is that it's, a, it's an absolute yes. And that it's a landmark opportunity for Oregon to make a statement nationwide that, you know, we're tired of this gun violence at the mall, at our church, at the school. I mean, where are you safe? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me as a mom who has had a kindergartner come home and describe the lockdown drill, I mean, yeah. that 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 changes a person. That 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 wasn't the case when I was growing up. Like this is something that our kids growing up now, it's just like a fact it's of life. Um and you're right. This ballot measure is sending a message. It's making a statement. I don't know that it will um survive some litigation. Uh, but I've also been assured that it that the legislature can make amendments to it and yeah. can like fix some of the problems with implementation. One of the main problems with in- implementation that that I see and that I I share the concern with is that it requires uh, Oregon residents to go to a county sheriff to um, basically, um, you know, go through the to process. To register their weapons. Yeah. Each individual weapon. It's, I, I almost feel like it's an overreach. It's one of those things where they overcharge. And the know? county sheriffs, you know, number one, like, aren't really currently set up to do that. Right. Number two, right. Um, you know, it's are probably not the right uh, uh, arbiter of right. who should and should not have a firearm. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be reworked. Yeah. Um, and it's, it seems like an overreach. Uh, you know, like sometimes people are overcharged. Uh, what was that dude in Wisconsin? Uh, the with a AR, you know, shooting people, protesters. What is Rittenhouse? It? Rittenhouse. They overcharged on. I feel like that was on purpose. Like they overcharge so that he can walk with no charges. This is a whole different setup. I'm just saying that to me, this is a, a big one. And I think when it comes to guns, since it's no, it been a non-starter for so many years, to ask for all of that in one legislation is just way too much. It's it's not that it's I disagree with the policy. It's just that it's, like you just said, the implementation is almost impossible. We've seen the backfiring for the decriminalization of drugs where... Uh, they didn't have the treatment centers in place. And then they put this through and now it's like, okay, well, we don't have anywhere to put you. So you're not going to jail. So you're back out on the street and then you're getting less help. And so again, this is Tina Kotek is the only person with a plan on that. That's not even, that's a fact that she's, that's something that she was very thorough about in the debate that I watched. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't think it's lip service. I believe her because it's not necessarily popular what she's saying. With people because they want they're late because people are lazy, like they want quick stuff. I'm lazy about certain things. I'll be the first to admit it. But you know, so I just I don't know this one. I mean, I wish that this would pass because I think it's it's a step in the right direction. I just don't think it will. And like you said, it's going to be litigated, so implementation is going to be tough. But yeah, that's a big one. Uh, measure one fourteen. Uh, I will be voting yes on it, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to pass. I'm a yes on it as well. You know, it comes out of the faith community in Portland, where we have seen uh, an alarming rise in gun violence during the pandemic. Sure. And people want action. And this is action. As far as violence, I want this to be clear. I don't support violence by anyone, period. I don't support violence if it's in the name of healthcare. You know, my number one issue. I, I don't, I, this is where I might differ from Republicans. I don't support uh, this in many areas, sure, my friend. But I don't support, you know, the January 6th stuff. People want to act like it didn't happen. You know, I'm going to D.C. and I'm I'm planning on making a meme 
or a, a, a video where I'm going to be like, look, I'm at the Capitol. And when you're a Democrat, they let you walk through the front door. You don't have to break the window. But it's a joke. But the reality is it wasn't a joke. That was a terrible day. And some of the stuff that we saw in Portland starting fires, throwing Molotov cocktails, I don't support that. I don't care what the cause is. I don't support it. And, and if anybody can say that, calling out their own side, if they can't call out their own side, you got to wonder why. Mm-hmm. You got you to wonder why. So when it comes to guns, I want the rules to be the same for everyone. I want accountability to be the same for everyone, including police. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this is where I'm a citizen, not a Democrat. I'm a human that we, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's, it's so frustrating when, you know, also if you stand proudly against violence of any kind by anyone, then you can't have a campaign ad against you later saying, well, they stood, they didn't, they supported this, you know? I mean, sometimes violence is the voice of the unheard. And by that, I don't mean killing people. That's never acceptable. The destruction of property is a different thing. The destruction of property, I'm not condoning it, but in time, sometimes that's, it's property. It's not people, but killing people with the intent of hanging somebody like an elected official, I would never accept that. So for Republicans to be okay with what happened on January 6th is a, is just disgusting. It's disgusting. They were literally going to kill Mike Pence. I mean, it's insane. I mean, they, they, they did kill a member of the Capitol Police. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you know, and, and then they've used the person that was killed by the Capitol Police because they were going to bridge that room. They used them as a martyr. I mean, there was a sign down, downtown and I ripped it down that I was walking by it for like three days in a row. And it was like, I can't remember the person's name, but it was basically honoring them. The person that was shot by the police. Cause they were going to go into the room where the senators were. And like, and they're like, you one more step. Like, you know, there's certain things like secret service will shoot you with no question, you know? And, and that's their job is to protect the elected officials from this. We need to lower the damn temperature, you know, like how has it gotten to this point where it's, and, you know, that's because you have a person that wants to make it to where your hair is on fire if, you, if this doesn't go this way. And we're, I don't know. I don't know. How well, this gonna... is why voting in this election yeah. is so huge. important. Huge. Because here's the deal. Like, the 2022 election will sort of set us on a road back towards some stability and hopefully normalcy. Yeah in our elections after the 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 coup uh, yeah. attempted coup uh and stop the steal and the big lie and all that or not it's going to set us on a direction towards more of that right right and right. so you know and this be, is I the mean, time yeah. when we either like recover and move forward as a country um or we we don't i'll tell you right now i'm going to dc on election night and i'm doing that in the midterm but I would not be doing that in a general in the, in the presidential election. That would be a no, that's going to be an interesting scene. And yeah, I mean, to me, my observation is, is that you're seeing the death of white supremacy and that's why there's so much of a fight is so much of a fight from the people that they, they like things the way they are because they don't have the same rules as other people. So the rules apply to everyone, but them, and that it's it's pretty clear that that's what we're seeing, and and so yeah, it'll be t- telling. There's a couple things that we're going to talk about before we get out of here. A couple campaigns that you've been working on a little bit. Uh, one of them is the Corvallis mayor. What is mm. it? It's trial. How, how do you Charles say Charles Mont? Charles Mont. Mm-hmm. So you've been working a little bit on his campaign. Tell me about uh, what's going on there. 
So Charles got involved in politics really in 2016 as a, a Sanders supporter. And he attended the Democratic National Committee meeting at the convention in 2016, where Bernie said, you know, I need all of my supporters to run for office, run for dog catcher, run for anything. And he really took that to heart. And he ran for his local city council seat. And he went door by door um, in Corvallis and and won um, with like a totally grassroots campaign. And so he's been on the city council for two terms. He's also uh, really active uh, in the Democratic Party and with our revolution. Nice. Um, and he now he's running for mayor. The mayor of Corvallis has retired. And so it's an open seat. There are three candidates. And Charles has the support of Sunrise Movement, the Oregon League of Conservation Voters, our revolution, progressive Democrats. Wow. You know, a lot yeah. of the coalition that supported me. Sure. Um, and, you know, the strong kind of environmental and progressive voices um, Charles is a strong champion for the unhoused and actually works in uh, developing affordable housing in Corvallis. I think that's what we need in a mayor uh, at this time. And and he's really uh, just a, a wonderful person. I don't appreciate how your vocal cords are trying to silence you. Yeah, well, I don't. I've just I've been you've you been know, working hard. I've been working the phones about Doyle this cannot be thing. silenced by her own vocal cords. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm out of tea. Yeah, yeah. So we only have a couple more things. Jerry Rust is running a write-in campaign for the Oregon House in District Nine. Is an up? It is. Is it possible for a write-in to win? Does that happen? It has happened. It's not. It's not common. Sure. But it's not impossible. I don't know how that works. I mean, I'm learning. I'm surprised I even knew anything to hold this conversation. Uh, <laughs> I, cause I, you know, I, when I started doing this podcast in 2018, when Alex Carlados was still a piece of garbage, he's changed though. Right. Like, no, that's, that just shows you, I started the podcast in 2018. Okay. So that was f- five years ago. That's when he that's went when on the podcast. He was saying that you could kill, yeah. you could strangle women to mm-hmm. death and joke about it. Uh, so that's in that amount of time. I've, I'm, I'm still not qualified to be an elected official, even though I've had some encouraging words of people saying I should run for city council in Springfield. I'm getting closer, but my, I was vetoed by my own partner. She's like, no, you're not. But, uh, so I don't know something I'll, I'll consider down the road. I got a lot to learn still, but I'm doing my best to do that. But yeah, th- I don't know a ton about how the whole house seats work and, and whatnot, but I do know that Jerry Rust was retired and he was like, I don't want, I wouldn't going to, I'm going to kick myself if I don't try. I wish he would have done it a little earlier because he's got a pretty recognizable name and he's done a lot of good work in our community. I was at the chili cook-off and he was there speaking and he was pretty cool, you know? And so uh, he's running a write-in campaign for Oregon House. And so if you live in that district, vote for Jerry Rust. He's running against Boomer Wright. So on the line under Boomer Wright, you can write in Jerry Rust. Uh, Yeah, so Doyle Canning, just thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for, you know... The, all the people that you've campaigned for. I know that uh, you, you know, have ran two campaigns, grassroots small campaigns that you've done really well. And I know that there's a ton of people that were heartbroken when you didn't win. But I mean, you got my vote twice. But but uh, thank you so much for doing this, you know. 
You are very welcome. Thank you for creating this podcast. Uh, like I said, you know, it's so important to have a working class perspective and a local voice in politics. It's rare. Um, and I really appreciate it. As soon as I, I mean, I'm starting to get more and more comments on YouTube and I, uh, and I, it triggers me and I'll just have to turn them off. I don't know how you do it. Turn them off. Tell you do a Twitter because I respond to them and I should mute button. Yeah. Mute. I do encourage people to, uh, follow me on, on YouTube. Uh, Facebook is where you can watch the podcast the most, uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and all the different things. I'm, I'm going to be doing some stuff after the new year. I'm probably going to be going to more places. Uh, I'm probably going to be producing a podcast, another podcast, more details about that coming soon, but, uh, it's going to allow me to have a little bit more revenue. Uh, I also really need supporters. So if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can become a Patreon, a patron through Patreon on my website, which is strpod.com. And there's a donate now tab. And then there's different options on how you can donate. A small donation helps a monthly donations, huge, you know, as low as $5 a month. Uh, because if I can up what I, I use Streamlab and, and there's a monthly fee and I could get it to more places right now, I can only go to three places. So I chose Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter or Twitch, depending on the episode. Uh, but thank you so much, Doyle. Uh, we're going to end this with a song. This is Sam girl with the song selfish. Go figure. Maybe when